There's no way around it. Caring for a loved one with dementia is not for the faint of heart. We don't know what we don't know, and many families focus so much on the person with dementia that they forget to keep their eyes on the family member managing care, which can be catastrophic. In this podcast, we'll help you become more proactive and remind you to focus on yourself. We will share challenges and wins and guidance from professionals at every step in the journey of caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's and other dementias. Welcome to the Eye on the Caregiver podcast. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest, Anthony Nunez. Anthony has been involved in home care for over a decade, and his company is doing some exciting work in Northern Virginia. Anthony, thank you. We have some mutual friends in, in Steve Gurney and, and um, several people actually in, in the Loudoun County, Virginia area. Um, so it's nice to to um, get this time with you. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into your technology? Great. Thank you, uh, Michelle. Great to be uh, on the show. Uh, my background started in in really kind of software and and hardware. I initially had developed a mobile robot to help older adults stay independent at home and provide tasks for them to do so. When the pandemic hit, unfortunately, uh, production lines shut down. We had contracts and uh, customers waiting and ready to go. We had to pivot. Uh, when we pivoted, we actually took the software to um, operate on commercial available tablets, so just a tablet off the shelf. And um, we vetted that with Medicaid for over a year and also with Arlington County uh, in low-income senior housing. And so that's kind of a little bit on my background. Prior to my work in the field of uh, senior care, I did some work for DARPA on autonomous vehicles. These were the cars that were driving themselves uh, long before you saw these on the actual roads. This was happening in the desert and on old military bases. And then I worked for a government contractor in future combat systems. And when I was doing that work, uh, my grandmother, you know, lost her independence and ended up passing away. And uh, that left an impact on me to want to return to the issue of trying to help older adults. And that's when it made sense for me to drop, you know, my current job and, and really pursue my passion to, to help older adults stay at home. Uh, that's that's amazing. So so Anthony, I'm a I'm a tech guy, so I'm super interested in in what you guys are doing. So let's. I, I know you kind of pivot away from the robot. Are you planning on on going back to the robot technology at some point? We learned a lot on that on that robot. Uh, we spent years in the field in the homes of older adults, community centers, senior care centers, assisted living homes with that robot. We learned a lot and, you know, those lessons were not going to just hang up for good. You know, our goal here is to, you know, really work around the issue of the production line, um, you know, problem that we had initially faced when the pandemic broke out and uh, continue on with that robot down the road. So, so let's kind of stay on the robot for just a moment uh, and then we can, and I'd love to hear about your software, but what, what exactly was the robot doing? Yeah. Awesome. That's a great question. So the robot had several different tasks. It was number one, focused on getting the older adults to be physically active in the home. Uh, it did this to a variety of means to encouraging older adults to move around through to being able to carry small items for them as they did. So this is very important for older adults because uh, 
for some older adults, carrying three to five pounds can start to throw off their center of mass, which could result in a fall. Uh, so carrying items and then, of course, encouraging them to be active through dancing and, and playing music was another activity that it did. It also focused on medication adherence, so making sure they took their medications on time, regardless of where they were uh, in their home, uh, interacting with them and keeping them on task with that. And then, of course, it also did uh, connectivity to care. So you had a professional caregiver from a local agency that we partnered with that would be part of that package. So it was a, a service package along with that hardware. That's now it makes sense of how you transition and you pivoted into the software. Uh, I, I'm why I keep asking about the the robot is because I think the future, like looking out over the next, you know, three, five, ten years of where we can embed technology into the homes of these of elderly people, I, I think it's key, right? In the end, I mean, we that's what technology is here for, right? It's it's to make the human experience better and. I hope you guys get this robot back on track and, and get it uh, and, uh, and all the stuff you're learning through the software, embedding it back into the robot. So, so let's pivot and, you know, let's pivot. Um, <laughs> I and, see what you did there. And uh, yeah, you see what I did there. Um, and uh, let's talk about software because there's obviously a, a, a clear connection between what you built with a robot and what you leveraged into the software. Yeah, absolutely. There is, you know, the robot was focused and believe it or not, when you say robot, you know, you think of, you know, highly advanced technology and of course the inner workings are, but the interface doesn't have to be that way. You know, that was always focused on older adults who were not familiar with technology. And so as we developed the software, we were able to apply those same lessons that we learned through the older adults interacting with that hardware and software to purely our software offering. And so that is exactly, you know, what we do now. We focus on low income older adults who are not familiar with technology. And our software is actually an at-home concierge service now where our staff provides uh, a service through the software on a tablet in the home of the older adult. And it's essentially a support system that encourages independence for older adults. And that's really important when you look at an older adult and how they age and the fact that we spent all this time in the whole home of older adults. Oftentimes, what we saw on the front lines didn't really match up with what we were, you know, reading in, in research papers or publications. And that we found that very interesting. And so when we tailored our service for this at home concierge uh, offering, we focused on kind of the key matters here for kind of the early stage care of older adults. These are older adults who are independent at home and we want to focus on increasing that independence time. And so the software offers daily check-ins from our professional staff that are very friendly and that's very they're very private in terms of that interaction. We also do scheduling for the older adults, which is a task oftentimes thrown upon um, the children uh, or family members of the older adult who are trying to work, raise a family. So it's very difficult for them to do that. We also focus on reminders, making sure they stay on task with uh, appointments. This is very important for older adults as oftentimes they can forget small things and those small things can make a big difference in the older adult's day. And then, of course, the final two things that we do is really encourage healthy habits. And so our software will actually have conversations with the older adult multiple times in a day. And it's these are private conversations. These are not like any other solution you see out there. These are really centered in within uh, our system and they're not recording. They're really just 
notifying on the answers so that we can help the older adult become more aware of their own habits and encourage them in the positive direction. And then the final feature, which I think is extremely important, is the fact that we help older adults stay mentally engaged. And when we had been working on the robot, we had developed activities to keep the older adults' mind sharp. And we further honed that down in our work with Medicaid and low-income senior housing here in Arlington. And now we're offering that on this solution. And that's extremely important because, you know, the body tends to follow the mind. And if we can keep the older adults' mind active and engaged and sharp, that's a great thing for them and their independence. So when it comes to the system, is um, is it a closed system in the fact that it's really private between the um, the elderly citizen and your staff in your system? Or does it also allow for family members to interact with that system, whether to monitor what's going on or even video chat with them from a, you know, you got a, a, an elderly person living in and their, their, their child lives, you know, 200 miles away, right? Uh, is there a way for them to use the system for video conferencing? Because I, the, the reason I ask that is because I think video conferencing is, is a really powerful tool in engaging with the elderly from a distance, but you know, trying to get an elderly person to use Zoom and log in their computer and log I mean, it's its impossible. So, um, yeah, definitely. I think you're absolutely right, you know, trying to get them to use Zoom. And we saw this in the early stages of the pandemic, how many organizations, how many people tried Zoom, Skype, sending a tablet, uh, just a regular tablet to, you know, their loved one and trying to get them to get on a Skype call. It was very difficult, very challenging. Our system is extremely simple designed for the older adults that aren't familiar with any of that. So if you don't have a smartphone, you've never touched a tablet, when you use our technology, you're going to feel very confident and you're going to be able to achieve what you need to. In terms of your question right now, are the at-home concierge services private? It's between our staff and the older adult, but we do keep the family in the loop for key tasks. And you have to really kind of look at the essential things of what we're doing. We're giving that family peace of mind. And so we do report to the family and let them know on you know particular activities, what's going on. For example, if we're scheduling something that requires a person in the home, we let the family become aware. Uh, we also let the family become aware of activities we feel that they need to know may not be heading in the positive direction. This is extremely important so families can make more informed decisions that are proactive uh, for their loved one. So that communication is absolutely key. But essentially, we are offloading that work that, um, you know, a family caregiver might do. And, you know, there was about, you know, 30% of the working population uh, was actually taking care of their loved ones during the pandemic when they were working virtually. Now that a lot of these people are actually going back to work in person, who's going to care for them? You know, oftentimes these, uh, you know, younger um, children of the older adults aren't ready to put their, you know, parents in home care because of the high cost. It costs over, you know, $120 just to get someone to come out there to check on your mom and you have to pay for a four hour block. Uh, That doesn't make sense financially for a lot of families. And so our offering is priced to really come in for those families that want that daily, that check-in during every day of the week and wants somebody interacting and, and really kind of helping with those tasks. That's, that's amazing. So I, I've been monopolizing this conversation and Michelle's got a whole list of questions that she's been writing down. So I'll ask one more question just because you, you said something that 
So you said that your research didn't really match reality. Could you just go into that a little bit? Because I'm really interested to see, you know, what what research has said and what you're actually seeing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And this happened a lot of times, in particular, you know, in when we were out with the robot and, like I said, um, and, you know, in the intro, you mentioned I've been in this field for over 10 years. And, the, you know, we started in 2011 way before, you know, anyone was thinking about, you know, a lot of these issues, the workforce challenges, the high costs, all that existed back then. It just was not at the forefront. It didn't get brought into the forefront until COVID hit. What we had been seeing was really the interaction of older adults and how they were aging in place. And, you know, all the various lessons that we learned from having a robot in the home, you know, we decided to keep, you know, as company know-how and really help improve our solution rather than publish it. And so there's a lot of different examples, but, you know, just as kind of one, um, in terms of a robot moving through the home, there are certain things that you need to know when you go over transitions that, you know, people have published a lot of documents on uh, that don't match up with what actually happens in the home. For example, when an older adult goes over a transition, it is very risky. Um, throw rugs are very risky and a lot of that is kind of documented. But the way in which a robot can help an older adult overcome that, uh, those tripping hazards is not well documented out there. And that's, you know, one kind of light example. We have a lot of others. We just, you know, typically don't publish them or, or talk about them because, we leverage that to continue to improve our solution. That's that's really very very helpful. So I'm I'm now going to let Michelle talk. Oh, that's okay. Um, it is very helpful, and and I think you know our organization works with the family caregivers to someone who has dementia. And what I find so interesting about this is you know your technology is developed for older adults who so that they can live independently. But there's it can also be so helpful to a caregiver who is caring for someone at home in a very, you know, a highly stressful situation. I just think about, um, you know, so many caregivers, especially when it comes to the spouse, they, they don't really ask for help. And, and the kind of tasks that your technology will help them with can be, you know, I, I mean, it's invaluable really. Right. Um, so helping them do some of these small tasks that those small tasks are not so small when you're in the middle of, of, um, you know, a behavioral issue with your spouse who has dementia. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, it's very important in our offering for family caregivers because it gives them the ability to step away and feel comfortable. It gives them the ability to, to, you know, either try to get some other work done to be able to go run some errands and, and know that there is a system in there that's going to keep them engaged, going to keep them, uh, um, you know, active mentally, and they're going to be able to stay on task when they leave. You know, oftentimes family caregivers, you know, they're there because they don't want that family member to miss this appointment. They have to do something. They have to, something has to get done. And it, it can just be very exhausting. I saw it with my family. You know, my mom was essentially the caregiver when we couldn't afford to have the paid caregiver in the home. So she was that supplement. Um, for family caregivers, we are that supplement in that case. And we are that tool that can help them alleviate some of the, the burden. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I I do wonder when you're talking about some of the things that it's able to track and and schedule. Does it get as granular as you know? Say I'm I'm a, an adult child that lives a couple hundred miles away or across the country, and I need my I need my parent to be you know have transportation scheduled for a doctor's appointment or whatever. It, does it get as granular as as you know documenting when they were picked up and when they were back home so I know they got home safely? Does it? Does it do that or does it just schedule the, you know, you would just schedule the transportation for them? Do you understand what I'm asking? I do. Yes. And so, you know, in, in terms of the scheduling, the human is in the loop in that point, really making sure that that scheduling gets met. So if they need a ride, if they're leaving the house or if someone's coming in the house, these are situations when we would notify the family. Uh, anytime an older adult's leaving or someone's coming in, the family members want to be aware of that for a variety of reasons. And so that's something we definitely do a great job of, of keeping the family in the loop so that they know your mom is leaving the house for a ride that we scheduled here at 1 PM. She's due back, you know, at this time, or you have a, you know, uh, a contractor for plumbing or something coming in uh, at this time uh, for your mom. That's important information for a family member. And we provide that. Absolutely. And then just daily check-ins too. You know, I, I, I keep on thinking about this because in our situation, uh, my parents lived on the eastern shore of Maryland when my father was diagnosed, when, when our father was diagnosed. And um, at the time, you know, no one was closer than three hours. And, you know, four of us, two brothers, you know, were working, had children, were traveling all the time. Two of us lived in Texas. So the idea that we could get to my mom you know, if she needed help, we, we were like easily six hours minimum before anyone could get there by the, cause we had to, they would have had to schedule time to pick up their kids and, you know, take care of their kids before they could leave town. And, um, and also I think my, my dad, you know, it, my, his, you know, my mom was his primary caregiver at that time. You know, she, she didn't like confrontation. And so she just, you know, would kind of let him go, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and just figure he'll, he'll eventually come back, but she didn't necessarily know where he was going, which was really kind of scary. But I think that, um, if you, Sean, if you just think about us and like what we were going through at the time, you know, if we had a, something like this, a technology like this, where, you know, the appointments were made, I can't tell you how many times I got calls, you know, I need you to do this. I need this appointment. I need you to, you know, whatever it might have been. And we were all working full time with our own family, you know, struggles. It, I, I just, I think that, um, I just love the concept, right? Well, what I find interesting is that, you know, the caregiver in a situation like, like ours, where, when my, when dad basically started, you know, becoming more and more affected by Alzheimer's, he, um, you know, he's being cared for by, a spouse who's 70 years old, right. you know, 75, and she's got her own issues, right? And she's got her own doctor's appointments. And we used to kind of joke, it's like, how many doctor's appointments can you have in a, in a week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but between the two of them, so she's kind of tracking herself, she's tracking dad, she's tracking, and, you know, and she's she's older, right? And she's, you know, uh, not running as fast as she probably has in the past. And, you know, to be able to track all this is very interesting. I, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by this idea because I think that the potential of this down the road is fascinating when you start 
integrating your software into other things. So let's integrate into sensors, right? Right. Body sensors, like, you know, not necessarily an Apple watch, but you could have like a bracelet that could track things and feed it into your system and notify you of different things regarding to uh, body condition. You could, you could um, attach sensors to the house, like little home alarms, where if a door opens up, you could actually be alerted, especially if the, if the, uh, older adult is living by themselves and, you know, you want to know that they actually left the house. Um, I, I think the potential of this is really interesting. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, you know, but you have to have a, a good starting point yeah. and, you know, we keep a human in the loop. And so that human in the loop is connecting with the older adult on a regular basis. And that regular contact every week, every day of the week, Monday through Friday is extremely important for the older adult because in that case that you were mentioning, you know, that person's going to become more aware um, and, and be the first to be aware of, of certain things starting to change. They're going to start to see in these video calls, uh, you know, signs of something that may be concerning and they'll let the family know, hey, listen, you know, I've been talking, you know, with your mom for the last, you know, six weeks and over the last seven days, you know, I've noticed this and this is something for you to be aware of. Um, and in terms of, you know, what you mentioned where you have two parents living in the home and they're both, you know, uh, of older age, this is really that support system to help the one that needs it or both to be able to maintain that independence and not be overburdened, right? Because that family caregiver can be a child, it can be a spouse. And uh, in either situation, you have to be careful about caregiver burnout, I mean, caregiver burnout happens with professional caregivers nowadays. Uh, you know, these are people who are trained, who have seen it before, but family caregivers, you know, have not been through that before. Uh, and sometimes they're not aware that, you know, they're burning out and, um, you know, that they may need help until, you know, something happens. And so we, you know, by having our system in the home, we're able to alleviate that before it becomes a big issue. Oh, I mean, I, I can't even, I can't even tell you how much, how helpful this would have been, in, you know, even with our mom. She's, you know, she's the perfect example of a caregiver that was so burned out. You know, I think she probably lost maybe 40 pounds. You know, she wasn't going to her own doctor visits. She essentially wasn't leaving the house because as we find with many caregivers to um, people with dementia, they the behavior of their loved one with dementia gets to be very stressful. And, and even if it's not bad behavior, our dad never behaved badly. He was never combative or anything like that, but he would tell stories or tell what my mother perceived to be a lie, you know, mm -hmm. and someone would ask him a question. His answer, they didn't know the difference, but my mom knew that that wasn't the case. And so she became more and more withdrawn. And they lived in a senior living community that was, you know, they all ate, you know, everybody ate together downstairs in the dining room and they stopped going to meals. You know, she started having all of her meals delivered, you know, takeout. She would go down and get takeout because she just couldn't emotionally handle that. And, you know, I lived close and I was seeing them all the time, but it's almost like your own children, you know, they're growing before your eyes and then a relative comes in town and says, oh my gosh, you've grown a foot. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really see that they've grown that much because they're growing day by day. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I saw my mom, but we always say, you know, that we, 
we tend to, families tend to spend so much time focused on the person with dementia that they forget to keep their eyes on the healthy caregiver, right? Yes. And the result was, you know, my mom eventually, thank goodness for, you know, the HIPAA forms that I signed that allowed the doctor to speak to me. Um, because had that not been the case, I'm not really sure what happened, what would have happened with my mom, because I got a call from her doctor and her doctor basically said, Michelle, if you don't do something about your dad, if you don't transition your dad into memory care, your mom is going to die before your dad because she is so burned out. Mm -hmm. And I've told her over and over again for months that she needs to think about long-term care for him, memory care, and she's just not ready, but she doesn't understand what it's doing to herself. Yeah. And, you know, this is not, our story is not unique. This is pretty much everyone's story, right? Yes, And absolutely. I think we we know that, you know, there's lots of studies that have been published that say, you know, a decade from now, most middle, um, middle income seniors are not going to be able to pay the rising cost of independent or assisted living. They just simply can't afford it, you know. In the D.C. area, to send your loved one or, or to transition your loved one into a memory care is $12,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You know, so if when we can intervene early, you know, when we can get them help so that they can remain independent at, at home longer, then that financial burden becomes smaller, you know, when we're talking about long-term care. Of course, with Alzheimer's, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice. Memory care is what has to happen eventually, but you can kind of delay it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a story that's happening to a lot of families and you know, there's a there's a lot of, you know, family care, caregivers that are out there that are struggling right now that you know, hopefully maybe listening to this podcast um and uh I think what you know your your foundation does is is great, Michelle, and you know, hopefully we can get the word out here to families in Northern Virginia to let them know that there is something that makes, uh, you know, sense for, for what they need and financially fits for their budget. You know, it's not something where you're going to, uh, you know, break the bank to, to really get that daily contact. And that's something that means a lot to us. We've worked really hard on to really keep the cost low. Yeah. I, 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 I'm just, I'm so encouraged by this conversation, just again, as a technologist myself of being able to bring technology um, to this world um, that is rare, very technology. It's like a technology desert, you know, right now. And, uh, and, and understandably, right. You know, a lot of uh, nonprofits aren't really technology savvy and we're also dealing with an older community that aren't as technical savvy and, and the ability to bring this technology in, especially in that early transition from, you know, diagnosis to, more severe cases where they just need oversight. They need interaction. They need uh, connection. And there's so many, uh, there's so many of these older adults and, and older, um, you know, loved ones that are dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's that um, are still relatively independent, but need, a little bit of augmentation. Right. And this and, type of augmentation is exactly what they would need, yeah. you know, to be able to be more independent, you know? And, yeah. And, 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 and simplifying the technology is so key. And it's just, it's really interesting how you guys are so focused on that and you have to be, and I totally get it because it's almost like they need an easy button, right? Just 
mm-hmm. t- turn this button on and the thing lights up and then hit this big red button in the middle and everything takes care of itself. And that's what they need. Right. You know? And um, and then the ability to ultimately extend the technology, like you said, from the starting point down the road. And and I, I, I'm this is super exciting for me. I, I'm. Do I sound excited? <laughs> Anthony, <laughs> I told you. monotone voice, do I sound excited? <laughs> Anthony, I told you he was going to be excited. I told you yeah. that this was going to be a conversation he was probably going to run with. He did, um, yeah. You know, I do, It. we all know this, but I do want to make sure that I make the distinction because we still get a lot of calls to our um, foundation. You know, a lot of families don't, especially adult children, don't really understand the difference between home care and health care. And what we're talking about is concierge home care. Um, so there's no health component in what you're offering. So, you know, home care versus home health. Um, I just want to make sure that I make the distinction that, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, your offering right now doesn't have any medical component at all. That's a completely separate thing. If you're, if your loved one needs health care at home, that this would not, you know, that would be separate on top of this. That's correct. Yeah, we're we are classified as professional services right now. Uh, being having grown, in, you know, the business in this area in Northern Virginia, we have an extensive relationship with a lot of different providers that I've gotten to know over the years that I trust, and um, also with um, community living homes and uh, assisted living homes and other types of services. And so the the benefit for our clients is the fact that they can leverage those relationships with us when there's time, when there's a point where they need to transition to additional forms of care or they need additional help outside of our services, we can guide them to, you know, a service that we're familiar with, with people we know, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of the owners, seen behind the scenes, spend time at their facilities. And that's really important, a recommendation uh, based on personal experience can be very helpful for an older adult and save the families the stress of really having to go through and vet it themselves, especially when they're trying to raise their own family. They have kids of their own. They have careers uh, that they're trying to manage. That can all be a lot to juggle. So yeah, we operate in professional care, uh, professional services, excuse me. And the difference between home care and home health care is really the fact that, you know, in home care, you know, you're really operating on non-medical um you know, early stages of care. And when you start to need additional levels of care, maybe you need to, uh, there's help uh, eating, needing lift out of, lifted out of bed, um, help with tasks in the home that you can no longer do. That's when you're getting more into full-time care and home health care. And you can see anything from there from, um, you know, uh, different medical kind of readings being done at home. So they're maybe may taking blood pressure and other things. Uh, so you would have a registered nurse in that case do that. And, you know, that can be more costly and, uh, you know, for families, depending on when that happens. Our goal at INF Care is to extend that period of time when they are independent to make that longer. Uh, so they're at home, uh, whether that be in their actual home or that may be in a community living setting, they can still be very independent where they can come and go, expect, extend that time. And that makes everybody happy. It makes the family happy. It makes the older adult happy. And it makes the account of the family members happy because you're not shelling out more money uh, than you would sooner than uh, you would have to. So that's that's really our perspective and it's it's a personal perspective because I've gone through it um and uh I've seen so many other families go through it and I just I want to change that narrative it's just a passion of ours 
to to help those families in need. So, uh, one last question, and and then uh, we'll let you go because I'm sure you're busy. Um, the is it is it contemplated that the the nurse who may be there doing those uh, activities, you know, feeding and things like that, would they interact with the system too at that point um, uh, to to provide updates and just more rich information for the family and or your staff? Well, the interaction would always between be between the older adult and our software. However, in the case when you you know as you kind of age down the the aging cycle our solution becomes a complement. So it can be a standalone solution to start with in the early stages. As a registered nurse comes in, as you kind of go into home healthcare from a separate company, our solution can still be there. We can still be checking in because those tasks don't change. The information older adults need to understand things doesn't change. They have questions. They need help with scheduling. They need to stay on task. Those things do not change. They are still there. And to have a registered nurse do it is going to cost you more money because you're now using that registered nurse's time uh, for these tasks. For us, being able to be a complement there still makes sense for the families because the registered nurse may come in for an hour, two hours in the morning and then leave and may not come back in until Wednesday or Friday, you know, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. What happens on those other days? And that's where that that constant interaction to our system can be very beneficial. So, you know, from our perspective, we've really kind of stretched the market in terms of where we can operate early stage, and we can still operate in some of the later stages, uh, depending on the needs of the older adult and the family. Gotcha. So, are you? I know you're in you're in Northern Virginia. Is your solution uh, only offered in the state of Virginia? Is it only? Do you have to be going through Medicare to? to I mean, how do how does someone get access to your technology and can they do it nationwide? So right now we are only, we are just launching right now here in Northern Virginia in Arlington County, Fairfax County, uh, here in just the Northern Virginia area right now. Uh, by the end of the year, we'll be looking at expanding and, you know, beyond that, you know, looking to help families in other states as well. But for now we're focused in Northern Virginia. It's private pay. Uh, right now, it, you know, you can go to our website, you can see it's actually $200. It's an introductory rate per month. Uh, and you know, it's, it's the lo- a, a low rate compared to what you would pay for, mm-hmm. you know, versus home care. So it's, it's something that's available, you know, right now here in Northern Virginia. Excellent. Uh, oh yeah. I'm just like kind of shaking my head. You can't, you can't see because we're just on audio, but my gosh, the peace of mind that you get, you know, for, for that low cost compared to, I mean, I, I just, I love it. I love everything about it. So, um, Anthony, we're going to share your link and information on your website, but is there anything else that you would like to share that you would like the listeners to know, uh, before, before we, before we say goodbye? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen, I, I know you may be going through, you know, the, the struggles of caring for a family member. You're not alone. A lot of people are going through this with you. And, you know, cost is going to be a a huge factor in any decision you make to get that assistance to help. And you want to know that whoever's going to step in to help you manage, you know, that older family member in the home is going to be friendly, professional, and they're going to value your family's privacy. And that's something our service does. Uh, I wouldn't offer anything that I wouldn't offer, have offered to my grandmother or that I wouldn't offer to my parents in a way that, um, you know, is is very considerate of of that uh, relationship between your family and of course the the children. So you know definitely you know take a look at us. Um, 
and um, hope to hope to be back on your show sometime in the future and talk about some more updates that we have. Yeah, I can't wait to hear updates of what you guys are doing. So, Anthony, thank you very much for being on. This was a fascinating conversation, and uh, we certainly will catch up with you in uh, in the future and see what's going on. Great talking to you both. Thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs>